0: Good Tuesday morning, everybody. I am Glenn the Geek from Ocala, Florida.
2: And I'm Karen Chatton from Gardnerville, Nevada. And you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for June 14th, episode 1451. Good morning, Horse World.
3: When your start time's on Saturday and your finish time's on Sunday, and it doesn't get much better than best conditioned... And completing the challenge is the challenge. You're an don't endurance rider.
1: Me let me ride through the wide open country that I love, but don't fence me in, let me be by myself in the evening breeze, listen to the murmur of the cottonwood trees, send me-
0: Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. It's Endurance Day, as usual. Karen is here the second Tuesday of every month to talk about endurance riders and uh, all things long distance. Hey, Karen.
2: Hey, good morning.
0: Good morning. Thank you to, so much for... Good to be back. ...coming back every month and doing this and getting up very early, uh, in the Nevada time. Look, I even said the right state this time.
2: <laughs> Yay! <laughs> After two, over two years, you finally figured
0: it out. Hey, I think we decided that we're going to go to Colorado on vacation this year. We've never been to Colorado, so we're, we're heading over to Colorado on vacation this oh, year. Good. Which you is where I think you live. Uh, so if you don't mind, we'll stop in for a visit in Colorado. Okay?
2: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll meet you there at a ride or something. <laughs> okay,
0: all right, good. Yeah, we've Bring never been bursts. there. So uh, <laughs> we're going to give that a shot this year. Hey, before we start the show, I have to do this for a whole bunch of people. So... <laughs> I have to give happy birthdays to a bunch of listeners. Lindsay Helmuth, his birthday's today. Uta Shepard's birthday's today. Caitlin Eddy's birthday's today. So happy birthday to all of them. It's a big birthday day. It's your birthday today, Karen? No, but my okay. husband's is coming up soon. Okay, well, happy birthday early to your husband. Speaking Thanks. of your husband, we're going to be talking about him in a little bit because he's gotten into endurance riding, too. He he has. We'll talk about that in a minute. But first, let's find out from Jennifer what's coming up on today's show.
3: Coming up on today's endurance episode, we're going to start out on the History Channel as Claire Godwin stops by with a look at the Old Dominion Trail ride that just wrapped up this past weekend. And then after the break, we're going to click on over to the Discovery Channel to learn all about the Nevada Discovery ride with Samantha, who has an awesome last name that I'm not going to try to pronounce. (laughs) And Happy Flag Day, everybody. Way back in 1916, President Woodrow Wilson issued a proclamation to meet deem- deeming June 14th as Flag Day. So everybody go out there to your uh, cabinet where you keep all the stuff you don't use very often. Dig out your flag and hang it up for the day.
0: Do you know what other day it is today, too? It's, it's National Bourbon Day. So <laughs> what do you think is more important? Bourbon Day, together. Flag Day. Put them together. We have... Uh, Yes, you
3: your flag and salute it. We have purpose. a
0: bunch of happy patriots, uh is what <laughs> we have there. So uh well now uh we talked about uh, your husband getting out and taking up endurance riding but uh his doesn't eat and poop.
2: No, it doesn't. It has tires that sometimes go flat, but nevertheless, he's been riding his bicycle. He just did his first century bike ride, and they call it a century because it's 100 miles. And uh, he did really well, had a great time. I think he did it in about eight and a half hours. They rode around the entire length of Lake Tahoe and then from the North Shore up to Truckee and back. Okay, that's
0: first of all, that's a long time on a bike (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Let me just say, eight and a half hours is a long time. I mean, I ride bike a little bit, but eight and a half hours is a long time, and that seat would get really old after eight and a half hours. I'm just saying.
2: Well, they they also wear padded tights.
0: Yeah, I have those, <laughs> and it still gets old. Uh, you know, I know. I, yeah. yeah. <sighs>
3: I know, I know. So you just have a really tender bum.
0: I guess I don't know. Maybe I have no padding. <laughs> Maybe that's my problem. But now you were sort of tell me before the show that that how many started on this ride? Like thirty five
2: hundred <laughs> bike riders
0: don't, that, that don't want to do this. Isn't this the Americans Endurance riding. Ride Association it just right. <laughs> wish that they had thirty five hundred people starting at a ride. <laughs>
2: Oh oh my gosh, could you even imagine that? That would just be insane. You know, our biggest ride maybe has, you know, some years Tevis goes a little over 200. And, uh, you know, there are some rides that have 150 or 60 entries with all the different distances, but most of them are well under 100 entries.
0: Can you imagine 500 or 1,000?
2: No. Oh my gosh. Well it does it does make you wonder though where are all these people coming from that are willing to put out all the the effort and the work to go and ride their bikes all of these long distances versus the horse people where are they why aren't the horse people wanting to come and and do the same kind of you know distant sports with their horses Is it,
0: okay well there's always a you always have to everything goes back to money right um uh-huh, so if yeah. we take a look at money the, you know the, you got the trailer you got the, I can throw my bike on a car and get there. Uh, now, they'll spend $3,000 on their bikes for, for these kind of rides. But still, sure, you're not. But that's you it. You only three, spend it once. Yeah. And you change a tire <laughs> occasionally uh, and tune up your brakes. But it's not feeding and cleaning poop and having to worry about camping. It's another right. thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, know, I, you know, I have to be honest with you. I think the camping thing is a big negative for for endurance riding um because right. it requires you to have a lot of extra stuff and effort.
2: Right, and then they they need the room also th- for the camps.
0: Yeah, the trailers and which is yeah. right. Yeah, good yeah. point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, where would you put 3500 trailers? <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes, you would need <laughs> you'd,
0: you'd need Burning some... Man. You'd need that side kind of room in the desert of Nevada to to uh make that happen.
2: No kidding. No kidding.
0: But you're right. I mean, what, what do you think the obstacle is? Obviously, you know, we've talked about it in the past. That endurance, the membership is down a little bit. And uh, you know, what what do you think it is? You're,
2: you're in. Well, this. I think I think you kind of nailed it a little bit with the money thing. It is expensive, just in the cost of fuel. But for our rigs, we have maintenance, tires, repairs. Never mind even just the cost of the horse right. either. Right. And then. With the horse, then you got to add on all your tack and your supplies, your time off, because you need to um, spend more time going and coming to these events for the horses' sake. And
0: support teams. You don't need a support team for your bike, right? Yeah.
2: Right. And uh, but but yeah, when we go to a a ride, that you, you know, like one of Dave's friends flew in with with his bike. Um, you know, you can't do that with a horse. You've got to trailer it. And you've got to get it out and let it Where did he put rest, his bike? And is a
0: carry-on? I hate those people that have the big carry-ons. I can't yeah, imagine him it, throwing a bike up it, top.
2: Well, they had to take it apart and, and then reassemble it after he got here. Um, which, which was kind of cool to see how they do that. Um, but you, you can't do that. You can't. You can't just <laughs> reassemble your horse. Yeah,
0: and take you apart and put you in the you, <laughs> put you in the overhead. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's a little more complicated. <laughs> the amount of stuff endurance riders do How did he do ride. anyway? He did great. He finished in really pretty good time. I mean, they started I think he was done by
0: 2:30. Now, did this make you want to get on a bike instead of a horse?
2: No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, now you were on a horse for a couple of rides, right?
2: I have been. Yes, I did the High Desert 50 that was out in Fallon, and I had uh, the 10-year-old junior rode bow with me, and I rode chief, um, and um, we both finished. That was a tough ride. Um, The footing isn't really good, and it's real challenging. Um, I think we've talked before about how many thousands of feet of elevation gain and loss that. I've had on some of the recent rides that I've done and this one was pretty good. I think we came in at around 15 or 16,000 feet of total up and down on it. So it was, it was a challenging one and the horses both came through and did well. We had a pretty good time. And then this last weekend we did another parade And where was that? That was just here in town. And it was on Saturday. It was a pirate theme. And so all of the the parade entries were kind of dressed up as pirates. And they had pirate flags and pirate ships. And I had pirate hats on the horses and a parrot on chief. And earlier in the week, I was posting some videos of Bo freaking out because I put a pirate hat on chief. And I just wanted to make sure I could get it to fit and that it would stay. And I had both horses out on the back lawn grazing. Well, <clears throat> chief didn't think anything about the hat. He could have cared less that he had this, you know, captain Pirate's hat on his head. So he looks up and Bo finally, for the first time, realizes that Bo has this pirate hat on. And I had the gate left open, which was sort of dumb, but I didn't know Bo was going to freak out at the hat. So he looks up, he sees chief in this hat and he thinks chief is possessed so he spins around and he takes off running into the whole big turnout area and he just keeps going well chief's like hey bo what's the matter and takes off trotting behind him (laughs) so so now Chief's wondering why Bull is running because if something's that scary, maybe he should run too. So next thing I know, both of my horses are out there running around. (laughs) One doesn't realize he's chasing the other one. The other one has
0: no (laughs) idea why he's running.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No. And so then it took me all week to get Bo over this phobia of the pirate hat. And so I was (laughs) posting videos on on Facebook and everybody was cracking up because with all the things this horse has done, you know, years and years of endurance and he's done all these big parades, he's been ridden
3: across
0: the country. Massive thunderstorms and lightning and... (laughs)
2: Oh, I know, and he's afraid of a pirate hat.
0: And so Well, those pirates are scary, you know.
2: <laughs> he, and the, And the funniest thing arr, was is
0: arr. Arr,
2: After I took the hat off of Chief, Bo was still afraid of Chief. He now thought Chief had been possessed by whatever it was.
0: That's funny. <laughs> uh, know, well, did they manage to get through the parade safely?
2: We did, and he didn't react at all, and and several of our horses in the parade all had pirate hats on, including Bo, (laughs) and there was no reaction at all by that point. I had gotten him desensitized to the darn hat.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I saw the pictures you put in there. It looked like fun. And I got to tell you, Carson Valley, with the scenery, with the mountains and everything, it's a neat Uh little town, isn't it?
2: Yes, yes, it's beautiful here. And everything's really green right now because of all the spring rains that we've had. Everything's gorgeous.
0: Well, speaking of spring rains in Nevada, um, it looks like our friend (laughs) Valerie Ashker has uh, hit some rains in Nevada on her ride, but she's still going.
2: She is she's almost all the way through I think by tomorrow or the next day they will be all the way through Nevada.
0: Remind everybody and, who she is for new listeners. Um
2: she is riding all the way from California to Virginia on her off the track thoroughbreds to bring attention to these horses in their second careers and she's got two um horses and Solar and Tivo and they're doing really well they look really good in all of the videos. I know they've had a little bit of you know, some trials and tribulations like you would expect on a cross country journey like this with things needing to get repaired in their rigs and, and stuff like that. And I'm sure they've had days where they've just been exhausted from, you know, the heat or from riding in the rain. You know, they're they're some of the days they've been getting up at like three thirty to ride so they could beat the heat, but they're doing it and they're still going. It's awesome to see yeah, they post um, a
0: lot of videos. As a matter of fact, it makes me wonder how many extra batteries they have for their phones because uh, you know you video just eats up your phone <laughs> it's like how right? Many batteries do they have with those things well in uh, the memory yeah the
2: memory especially yeah, yeah well the
0: I, I have one from yesterday if you want to if we want to listen to valerie talk uh okay. and they're doing these a couple times a day so this was heading out yesterday they seem to be in a i know this sounds funny but they seem to be in a valley in nevada that actually is green so do you know where exactly where they are
2: they're just—they're outside of Ely right now in the Steptoe Valley. They're okay. going past for those that have driven it, um, where all the big windmills are. Is okay. where they're going to be riding past today.
0: All right. Well, here's uh, from yesterday.
4: Maybe. I can get Beautiful some- <laughs> view. Peggy's decided to be
3: a scout a for friend. us and take us to the Highway 50. The mighty Solar and Peter—they're having a great time. Solar looks really great And that little coronary um um uh not tear but dent little uh problem that he has like he bumped it and uh it looks it looks great he's not off at all on it and um we're just taking in all the beautiful scenery I mean it is absolutely exquisite here it is absolutely one of the most beautiful places in Nevada up here I can see why people relocate up here because it's It's just beautiful, God's country. Those mountains are absolutely lovely. And this valley is to die for. Just beautiful. So there you have it. We'll get on 50, and I'll be back.
0: So there you go. That was a report from yesterday on her trip. You can follow her trip and all the videos by going to 2ND, the number 2ND, Makes Through Starting Gates. And you'll find all the videos and everything that she's posting about her trip. Uh, All right. And now also, um, I think you talked about this before. It's time for for Rattlesnake School. It
2: is. And I I know Valerie had also posted some video and picture of a really beautiful rattlesnake that they encountered. (laughs) Oh,
0: (laughs) beautiful when they're from a distance.
2: Yes. And there was Peter right up close telling the snake to rattle. (laughs)
0: Oh, get hey, away. rattle,
2: rattle <laughs> <laughs> You know, but there are a lot of snakes. We rode the other day just in the pine nuts behind my house and and we saw snakes and lizards. So all the rains and the green that we've got, which is great, it's bringing out a lot of these animals, including the snakes. This is gonna be a really big snake here. so um I normally like to do the snake training on all of my dogs and, and the newest dog that we have, Higgy, uh, had not been through the snake training yet, while my other dogs have. So we took him to snake training last week. Okay, for and for anybody
0: that hasn't heard you talk about the, What the heck is snake training?
2: Snake it's snake avoidance training and they use live rattlesnakes. These snakes, um, I think they still have their fangs, but they've had the the poison um Ducks or whatever it's called removed out of them. So they're using real live rattlesnakes that rattle, and they take your dog and they put a shot collar on your dog and they um work with your dog to teach your dog the scent of the snakes, smell of the juvenile snakes and the adult snakes, and they bring your dog up and and uh if your dog shows any interest or tries to go closer to the snake, they get a zap. And then they repeat it until the dog realizes it doesn't want to go anywhere near that snake. And then at the end of the the class, in order to pass or whatever or to show, they have you, the owner, come over and there's a snake in between you and your dog with the handler still has, you know, your dog is still on a leash and restraint and you call your dog And some of the dogs are so happy to go see their owners. They want to run right through the snake. Well, my dog just stayed sitting there and he looked at me like, um, there's no way I am coming to you. (laughs) There is a snake there. I am not coming. No. And so he ended up going so far around as far around as he could to get to me. Um, it was clearly obvious that the snake training had had worked. And he realized, you know, when the snake was there, there was no way he was going near it. And, uh, y- you know, it's just sort of neat to see um, how this training does work with the dogs. Because later we take them out on the trail. And even if there's a stick that looks like a snake, they go really wide around it. They're not that taking is, any that's chances. That's good
0: training if you're going to bring your dogs along like you do, because you're seeing snakes <laughs> all the time.
2: Exactly, and they're out on the trail several days a week. Uh, and y- yes, there's snakes. We've se- we've both seen snakes this year already. And um, my husband on his bike ride the other day um, passed a rattler just sending itself on the pavement
0: Jennifer ran right ne- by it. Jennifer's uh, uh, old horse Beaker needed that because Beaker they they had a rattlesnake in the road one day, and he went right up. He was gonna go <laughs> check it out. <laughs>
2: Oh, no. <laughs> oh, Baker my gosh. Baker needed a shock color. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. And then Higgy, you know, the second time he got zapped, he basically just almost like flipped over backwards like, ah. You know, talk about a drama queen, but he got the message and he, and he learned. And, uh, so maybe next year we might do one more refresher course, but it definitely works. The dogs learn because the poisonous snakes have their own scent. So the dogs, the dogs will learn that scent and they know to stay away. And there are snake vaccinations. You can get rattlesnake vaccines, um, for your dogs and for your horses, that you can do. Let me do. tell
0: you, we've as we've talked about on this show before. Uh, if you have to do the anti venom after, it costs a fortune. Uh, it does, yeah, a fortune. I mean, a fortune. Mm-hmm. The one one girl that got bit last year, it, it cost her like two three hundred thousand dollars. It was an Incredibly expensive.
2: Oh my gosh. Yeah,
0: it's not, it's not, uh, you know, they're like two, it's like two, $3,000 a shot or something. It's just unbelievable. Right. Um, so I, wow. I guess because it's so expensive to make it, you know?
2: Uh huh. I- so yeah, the best way is to teach the dogs to avoid the snakes because some dogs. Want to go up and, and, you know, they're hunters. They want, that's what they want to do is go up and kill the snake. So it's good to show them that, nope, you can't do that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I, uh, I, I did, we, last time we were on the show too, we talked uh, before we get to our product of the month here with, uh, with Distance Depot, we talked about cameras and, and you had a horse that went down in the trailer. And when you got there, the horse, that's laying underneath another horse. Uh-huh. And um you uh you got a camera. So what'd you get? What was the story?
2: Um I got the trailer camera. Um, And it's trailer, E-Y-E-S dot com and got it installed. My husband did a great job with that. And it's really a pretty cool thing because from inside the cab, I mounted the monitor up on the rearview mirror. So when I have it on and I'm driving, it's just it doesn't divert my attention at all because it's just like a glance, like I'm looking in the rearview mirror, which does me no good to have the rear view mirror when i'm hauling a gooseneck anyway i can't see anything so it's just a real quick glance i can look up at the monitor and i can see the horses and it's just it was interesting because i had it we just got it installed right before i went to the last endurance ride i went to and it was sort of neat to watch the differences in the horses and it's sort of funny horse people we could just sit there and watch our horses stand in the trailer and be you know first time we put it in
0: i was in the passenger seat that's what i did the whole time i i said if i'm driving this is going to be distracting
2: (laughs) i i know yes and i was really really careful not to spend more than just a fraction of a second glancing at it unless i was stopped at a signal or something but but yeah it was sort of cool it's like We could just sit there all day and watch our horses just standing there in the trailer doing nothing, you know, but it was just, it was interesting to see the differences in how my horses stood and how they balanced themselves and, and that kind of thing, which was, you know, sort of cool. Like Bo now, he, he leans over to the left and I'm wondering if that's a result of what happened when he fell and went down, if he's doing that now, or if he did that before that happened, you know, so I'm going to switch them around in their positions next time and see if there's any difference in how they're standing. And Do you have and, a slant uh,
0: load or a fr- uh, front load or, you know, a, straight load.
2: It's it's a slant load. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. And then, and the monitor goes up behind him on the butt end and it looks down at both of them, you know, so it's just sort of neat. I can see, you know, how much time they spend eating and, um, And what's really cool is even though there's a divider there and the horses can't see each other, they they're almost like mirror images of each other when, you know, when they turn their heads or when they whatever it is that they're doing, they almost always do it exactly in unison. Which is sort of interesting. So, um, so I thought that was cool, and now I'm gonna, you know, it's just another little feeling of being a little bit more secure and safe when I travel with the horses, because now uh, I know, what, know what's going time. on. And there.
0: the thing about where where you travel too, is you're up mountains and down mountains and twisty, windy roads, and you know, you're 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 putting those horses to the maximum stress for hauling, right. Yeah. Right. I mean, as that's as you know, here in Florida, it's pretty flat and straight. You know, a lot of hills, Uh so it's a little different than where you're hauling.
2: Exactly, and it has a dual cam. I have another camera mounted on the back of the trailer, so. I can use that for backing up. Mm-hmm. And it's also interesting, you know, for like when you are driving, say, in traffic and you're stopping at signals and stuff. And seeing how close some of the other vehicles come to your rig, it's sort of almost frightening. It's like, maybe I don't really want to know that. But it is <laughs> it is cool to have it for, for the backing up. And then you up. see them
0: back there texting while they're following you at two feet behind your trailer. Yeah.
2: Oh, all the time. Yep. Yep. All the time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, too many people do that. They should not do that. It can wait.
0: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, we uh, we speaking of products, I'm glad you got the camera and that uh, the you, you can keep an eye on the ponies now. But uh, we do every mm-hmm, me month. Too. Every month here, we do a product of the month with Distance Depot, and we have, usually we have to record this because she will not get up this early to talk to us because she's in, out west, and uh, she thinks it's way too early. Uh, but Kristen, we're making you get up early today. Good <laughs> up- Look- morning, Karen and Glenn. Good, good morning. morning. Did you have your coffee? You were live. All good?
3: <laughs> yes, yes. I've had my coffee, and actually, it's mainly because I just get too darn nervous,
0: <laughs> to do. Oh, uh, it's just us. Yeah. Nobody listens to this show. Yeah, it's just right. Karen that's and I. Right.
2: It's just us talking. Yeah. No, you you you've been on live before. So it's and, always fun. You always do <laughs> you always do fine. Well well this uh, month you mentioned that you now offer personalized, customized, you know, embroidery and, and printing on hats and shirts and other items. So tell us about
3: that. Okay. Yes. This is brand new to us and basically a work in progress. Um, yeah, we'll be able to embroider just about anything. Um, so your farm name, you know, on your horse's blanket or on your hand gear bag, your name on, on your new area jacket, whatever you can dream up. Um, so we're pretty excited to be able to offer that. And <clears throat> we we do have a heat transfer available, too, so you could put your horse's picture on one of the license plates that we offer, or a mug, or your own picture of a loved one. Or Or a
0: logo of a radio network.
3: Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. Uh, Yeah, we'll need to do that for you, Glenn.
0: Yes, I got, I don't, (laughs) you mean I can have customized license plates with our logo on the front?
3: Absolutely. Oh, cool. (laughs) Yep, we can make it happen. Cool. So yeah, it's a work in progress, and we'll be adding more and more products to our customize it section on our website, but um, we're really excited about it.
2: Cool. And we were talking also last week about how hot it has suddenly gotten in some areas of the country. So we thought we'd bring up um, cooling products for horses and humans. So let's start with mentioning the cooling products you have available for horses. Mm -hmm.
3: Okay. Well, we sure do. We have a lot of cooling products for the riders and for the horses. Um, One of the main products we sell an awful lot of are our easy ice boots. We manufacture those right here in the shop. Um, They have 24 individual ice packets, four big Velcro straps to keep them secure, and they cool all the way from the coronary band up to the knee or the hock, so you have a lot of cooling area. And they stay very, very cold. Um, We used to box them up in their own cooler packed in ice and take them Mm -hmm. across the country to a race, and they'd stay cold all the way through, you know, a 100-mile ride. So they really are pretty awesome, a cool way to keep your horse's legs um, nice and cool in between the ride and after the ride, too. Mm -hmm. And uh, we also have some apparel. Carrots has a, a line of cooling clothing they offer um, ice-fill shirts, ice-fill tights, ice-fill sleeves that offer sun protection and keep mm-hmm. you cool at the same time. So those are some really popular items. Um, we also have a, a line from Techniche, um, a cooling vest, and we are um, just got in a new sports um, cooling cap that's great at the barn. It's good-looking, and you can put it on after you've had your helmet on, and it'll keep you cool um, throughout the day. It's it's pretty neat, too. Cooling neckties, all kinds of great cooling products. And um, we list them on the site um, in the navigation menu under cooling vests and cooling accessories.
2: And what is your website address?
3: We are thedistancedepot.com.
2: And what is your phone number?
3: <laughs> you can reach us toll free 866-863-2349. You can also request a catalog to see any of these products.
0: Terrific. Well, thank you, Kristen, for joining us this morning.
3: Karen and Glenn Glenn will work on that license plate for
0: you. Yeah, and I gotta <laughs> actually we need a new uh, place. I have to talk to you too, because we need a new place to get all of our embroidery done for hats and shirts and stuff. Oh, so um, perfect. Uh, we'll have to we we'll have to uh, get a hold of you about that.
3: Okay, sounds great. All right, sounds That's great. Good. Thanks see. a lot. Thank you.
0: Bye bye. She worries. I, you know, I'm always amazed that people still get nervous to come on and talk to us, and that happens all the time. So Jennifer has to deal with mostly with guests and stuff, and it's like, why well, are you just <laughs> talking to us? I mean, it's like,
2: <laughs> I know it's fun. No christening. Nobody's, Nobody's, listening. Listening. Nobody's listening.
0: No, nobody listens. It,
2: it just—it just took her a while to build up her courage a little bit, and she does great.
0: When potential guests are are uh, talking about coming on, they're a little nervous. You know, they ask how many listeners we have. I always tell them twelve. Uh, you know, it, uh, then then I don't have to worry about it anymore. We don't mention the other tens of thousands, but. <laughs> Yeah, I guess we're just so used to doing it now, you know, especially me. I've been doing 6,000 episodes or 5,000 episodes or whatever it is. And you've been on now for years doing this show.
2: I know. And you know what's so fun about it, though, is I I never seem to run out of topics or guests. I mean, there's so many interesting and fun people and topics and things to talk about relating to endurance. And, of course, I don't have the pressure you guys have. I only have to do it once a month, but you guys do it. Every day. I don't know how you guys
0: do so that. We book a lot of guests. That actually is the one of the most time-consuming things we do is the booking of the guests. As you know, because it's emails back and forth and it's coordinating. And, you know, we book 10 to 15 a week So uh, for all the different shows. So it's a, that's one of the most time-consuming things we do, for sure. Well, yeah. now, I did want to mention the American Endurance Ride Conference. Uh, they are our title sponsor for today. You know... Uh, I, If you're, I think, we talked about it earlier in the show, what's the barrier to entry into endurance, and I think some people just, you know, they see you guys out doing it, you're like the superstars who make 100 miles look easy, and they think, I, you know, I can't do that, but you don't have to ride 100 miles to be an endurance rider, right? I mean, what's the minimum people can do?
2: Well, they now have fun rides, but... If you want to compete for awards and and that sort of thing, then you would start in the limited distance category, which is twenty five to thirty five mile distances and you can do those um you know and a lot of people are staying in those distances now Uh, not everybody necessarily wants to move up to the longer distances for you know whatever the reason is but you know once you get hooked on this sport you know most of us all want to aspire to to move on to doing the longer distances or and at least once or twice try a hundred you you know like one of to. You you know you can go and do you know whatever makes you happy and and that you know because it's just fun to get to go and hang out and meet all of the interesting people you know you're gonna make a lot of friends you get to see a lot of neat country and trails that you wouldn't get to see otherwise. So it's it's and, all a,
0: a and, fun, and I like that you uh, you know talking to you about this too because you truly are out having fun doing it, and you're you you know you're a competitive person, but you're not super driven to have to win every one you go out to. You know that's not the idea, and I think that that's what makes endurance uh, fun, and also why mm-hmm. you should go to the AERC website, uh, AERconline.org dot org is where you can go to find out more information. You know just get started, just try try a shorter ride you know give it a -hmm. give it a try they have a lot of resources on the website too to help you get started you know if you're a beginner that's never done this before with mentors and everything else so
2: right yes there's a mentor um listing page that you can help get hooked up with a mentor in your area or online and they've also got a lot of educational clinics you can look those up and find one near you to go attend and and they have different levels. They have, you know, the beginning clinics and then they have the more advanced ones. So it's worth checking out.
0: Very good. And we have our next guest ready.
2: Our next guest is uh, Dr. Claire Godwin, who lives in the, I believe it's the North East region. She'll be able to correct me on that soon. She's been riding since 1992 and has nearly 15,000 miles herself and she just earned another completion at the Old Dominion ride this past Saturday and she's going to come on and tell us a little bit about that historical 100 mile ride. Welcome to the show Claire. Good morning.
4: Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well how did your ride go Saturday? It was completely awesome. We had uh, four horses in it from my barn, two 50-milers and 200-milers, and everyone completed, including Julie White from Australia that we uh-huh. we're just delighted to have along.
2: Oh, terrific. Yes, she's been on the show before. Yes.
4: Yeah, she told me she, she was on the show a year ago. Um uh-huh. talking about the quilt, um, Tom Quilty out in Australia. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. Tell
2: us a little bit about the Old Dominion. Good. Good well, for her. Uh, and I understand she's coming out for Tevis, too, right?
4: She is. She is.
2: Good. Good. So good. I'll look forward to meeting Old her.
4: Dominion, the Old Dominion is uh, one of the oldest rides in the world um, for endurance. It uh, The first ride was held in 1974, and it was uh, uh, the product of a... Uh, Uh, Californian that had moved east, Alex Bigler, and uh, uh, Pete Fields, a local Marylander, who got together and said, gee, the uh, uh, western states or Tevis Ride is doing such wonderful things, can't we do that here in the east? And hence, the beast of the east was born, the Old Dominion, Mm -hmm. uh, originally in Leesburg, Virginia, but with... Um, encroachment of, of um, building houses. We've had to move it twice. The The basic trail type has remained the same since 1974, but um, uh, the actual locations moved a couple of times. We've been for the past 12 years I think it's been in uh, Orkney Springs, Virginia, and uh, these trails are, are historic in in the sense that um, they're trails that have been long used for uh, uh, both military action and developing cavalry as well as um, uh, mail trails. There's actually one trail that we rode uh, this weekend that uh, is called the Mail Trail, and it's a very steep, rocky trail that, that actually historically was used to transport information from one side of the mountains to the other. Um, and, uh, the, a uh, lot of history in terms of, uh, using these trails to develop cavalry horses, uh, in the early stages of our country. So, um, very, uh, tough ride, lots of rocks to scramble over, lots of elevation changes, um, both up and down. And, uh, uh, a very very good test of horse, but but completely doable. It's been interesting to watch new riders come into our sport and uh, try to and feel like they need to shy away from the old Dominion rides, even the uh, shorter distances, because of the elevation changes and the rocks. Oh, my horse isn't ready for that. But in reality, it slows the riders down so much. Mm-hmm. You know, oftentimes, to a walk that it becomes safer for the horse than for the novice horse than travelling at great speeds, particularly on flat sandy rides, at least in my opinion.
2: Sure. And tell what's the humidity like? (laughs) It's
4: (laughs) moist. It's moist. This year, actually, <laughs> this year it um, it actually wasn't too bad. It was only, um, I think, uh, high of eighty five with um, about fifty percent humidity. But it's there's been many many years where the temperature um, tops at a hundred with ninety mm-hmm. percent um, humidity, which is a real test. But the riders um, are smart and they slow down and they electrolyte.
2: Good. Well, one of the things that I've always found interesting on the Old Dominion is they offer a cal- is it the Cavalry Award?
4: Cavalry Award, yes. And that was one of the original things that uh, Pete Fields came up with um, back in the '70s to dis- distinguish our ride. Um, it is uh, to it, the um, goal is to complete the course with. Uh, no outside assistance other than uh, the provision of water for horse and rider. So when you come into a vet check, um, uh, ride management supplied a bucket and a trough, and you're supposed to dip the bucket in the trough and, and f- give that to your horse. And you're, if you want your horse to eat anything else, grain or whatever, you have to bring it. Now certainly you can graze. You can't mm-hmm. even tie uh, to a permanent fixture. And if you have to go to the porta pot you have to take your horse with you.
2: <laughs>
0: okay. Wow. Yeah, and very how
4: big port pot does he fit in how there? Ma- yeah. I was
0: just going to ask.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, yeah.
0: I can see Who his tail it. sticking out the door. It was like,
2: how many writers, how many riders try to do that?
4: Typically, uh, there's a handful and it, uh, Roughly twenty five percent of them um, uh, have to fall out of cavalry uh, and seek assistance during the ride. For instance, if they lose mm-hmm. a shoe uh, and decide not to boot for the eighty more miles and have a sh- uh, they can carry a shoe and nail a shoe on themselves. but if they're not capable of doing that and need a farrier, then they're out of okay. cavalry, although th- uh, cavalry, although they can certainly finish as a open AERC rider.
2: Well, that's interesting. And so um, I know you've come out and you've also ridden Tevis. So kind of give us a little description of comparing the two rides a little bit as far as, uh, you know, how how you felt the, the differences are between the two rides.
4: Well, um, Tevis, of course, is... Um is Mecca, Tevis is heaven, Um, for me, for for many reasons. Um, It's uh, to travel. I live in Maryland, and to travel across country with your horses and camping along the way and um, seeing the sites, um, uh, taking care of your horse and uh, making sure that they arrive in good condition is is one whole strategic event. And then Mm -hmm. uh, once there, it's such a gala event, it's just... um, so many people and so many dedicated um, uh, volunteers. And then the trail. The trail is um, beautifully different from our side of the country. It's dry, it's dusty. It um, also has its own set of very deep history. And um, But the trail itself, I think, is um, um, differently hard. The Old Dominion has, as, as we said, heat, humidity, rocks, um, that you're scrambling over. Um, so does Tevis. Tevis has a, uh-huh. of the iconic Cougar Rock that you scramble over. But uh, there's a, a ton of very good footing in in the um, uh, Tevis, whereas in Old Dominion, there's a ton of rocks. Um, mm-hmm. So, but the uh, a- and with the Old Dominion, there's there's a seven mile climb, um, and with Tevis, it's more you know, you go deep down into those canyons. I don't know how many miles it is climbing out of those things, but it uh-huh. doesn't feel quite like miles. Um, but I think the the climbs out of those canyons at Tevis is, is steeper. Um, but um, I think overall the Tevis is more of a downhill ride. Obviously, you uh-huh. start up in altitude and you go towards um, Auburn, which is... Uh, uh, significantly lower in altitude whereas the old dominion while it's a linear trail you you don't go back to base camp you you go and go to six different vet checks and wind up back at base camp it's the net uh, gain and loss of altitude is is equal because you wind in mm-hmm. the same place so it's not a downhill ride, but um, and I've heard people say that the Old Dominion is tougher than the Tevis, but I'm not sure that's really true. I think they're just different. They're just different. sure. We certainly well, don't have any swinging bridges.
2: <laughs> I know, and I'm sure it varies from year to year with the conditions. You know, just like Absolutely. with anything. Some years, like last year, Tevis had more humidity. It actually rained on us in the morning, and yeah, I remember. and right right so so things can vary quite a bit between the the two rides which ride of of, i know you've done several other rides all around the country um just kind of tell us real quick which ones are your favorites
4: certainly the tevis certainly the old dominion and um i love the uh, vermont 100 as well which is coming up this year a week before tevis and we're trying to scramble and see if we can manage both rides particularly with uh, Julie white I'd love for her to get a chance to see the the uh, the Vermont 100 the Vermont 100 of course is run um, it's been running for years and years also it's uh, run concurrently with 100 uh, mile ultra marathoners
5: which wow. the old Dominion
4: used to do as well but um, it, it was difficult to run the old Dominion alongside ultramarathoners because uh, there's a lot of single track trails and you just bump into people um, right, pass and stuff but um, the Vermont 100 is run on a lot of wide uh, packed dirt um, uh, roads New England mm-hmm. roads which are absolutely beautiful and the um the hospitality stations for the runners are frequent and friendly and and the runners and the riders give each other encouragement. And what, what I found was interesting was that the uh, that the runners leave an hour ahead of, at a, ahead of the horses in the morning. I think they leave at about 4.30 in the morning they head out, and the riders start maybe at 5.30 in the morning. And uh, everybody finishes about the, sa- the same time, and you think, oh, my gosh, how can that possibly be? Wow. The reason, of course, is that there's vet checks that uh-huh. the horses are held at. And the runners, if they sat down and, and, and relaxed for an hour, they would never get back up. So they have to continue <laughs> moving, sure. even if it's at a wow. walk. But it's, it's something. Um, and to, um, to finish my first 100 at, at Vermont... And be trotting my horse out and be hearing in the background the heaving of, of vomiting riders <laughs> from them getting sick. Uh, it was just something. It is that
0: doing. is that like oh, that's like when somebody gets sick in the airplane, everybody's like, Oh <laughs> <You know? laughs> <Just> uh, like. <laughs> uh,
4: Oh, and they have they have a whole tent of beds made up for these people to know, receive IVs when they're finished and everything. But these people are those people are truly nuts. And, but what's funny is they think we're nuts. You know. uh-huh. I was just going to
0: say, we're all calling each other nuts. You, you real, we We're just talking about the bicyclist, like Karen's husband that does it. And I was like, I couldn't sit in a bicycle seat for eight hours.
4: That's, <laughs> that's what they were saying. How can you sit on that horse's back for, for a day? And I'm like, how can you run? And some people, I actually talked to some of these ultra marathoners that are, um, uh, were doing it barefoot.
0: Oh my Oh, my gosh. gosh. And the rocks? Yeah,
4: yeah. I mean, well, yeah. Well, there's a little bit of gravel, but I mean, they're so um, acclimated to it. And I think at, le- at least about five, five or eight years ago, I think there were a lot of people that were saying, "Oh, it's a more natural way. It's your shoes that give you all the blisters and
1: make wow. your nails
4: fall off the front like <gasps> that, so." Not too many of them,
2: though. <laughs> no, I sure but, yeah, wouldn't it's, be. It's, it's, it's <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Well, so, um, well, good luck on all your upcoming rides, and thank you for coming on the show. We appreciate it.
4: Oh, you're quite welcome. And I'm um, a big fan of yours, Karen, and all the the very long, high mileage horses that you have.
2: Thank you, thank you, and say hi to Julie for me. I'm looking forward to meeting her in person.
4: will do. Take care now.
0: Thanks. Thank
2: you too. <clears throat> bye bye. Bye.
0: You know, I'm always surprised at how many veterinarians are, are uh, endurance riders, too. Uh, it seems like there's there's quite a few.
3: There
2: are. Yeah. There are. And and they're all really great, fun people to, to talk with. I mean, I've had several of them on the show. And, uh, you, you know, it's just sort of fun uh, to hear things from their perspective. Do you think they get, get asked vet
0: questions the whole hundred miles by the other riders? Do you think they're like, I don't want to talk shop today? You know? <laughs>
2: well it it could be you know possibly <laughs> but uh, you know you know the cool thing with endurance riders is I think we try to educate ourselves as a group I, I think really rather well you, you know because we know how important it is to be taking care of our horses out on the trail for for that period of time so we try to learn everything we can and learn how to take care of them and and it is sort of cool that at any ride you can have five or six veterinarians writing. And and they're always great whenever there's a problem or an issue or somebody needs additional help or they're, you know, shorthanded at the vet check. It's like these vets are almost always jumping in and lending out a hand and helping out, which is kind of a cool thing to see. And that's just kind of how endurance writers are. They're always willing to help others.
0: Once a doctor, always a doctor. Well, uh-huh. well uh, I, one of the things I did notice was when you on the pictures of the parade, and we'll we'll put uh, those in our show notes, and maybe Jennifer can put the parade picture also in our Facebook page. But one of the things I did notice was the boots.
2: Yes, we wore our Renegade Hoof Boots, which is one of the show sponsors, um, in the Carson Valley Days Parade on uh, the three horses that I put front row were all um horses that we took to the rose parade so they were the most experienced horses and they all wore their um red uh, renegade um boots and uh, it was nice because you've got that extra security on the pavement you don't have to worry about slipping and um or any kind of scrambling on any slippery um surfaces you know we parked at the finish of the parade and rode up to the start through the back street so we were actually riding across some parking lots and some sidewalks and a bunch of different kind of footing that you you know probably wouldn't really want to ride across with nailed on shoes if you could help it and so I felt a little bit of extra security having the renegades on. And I've mentioned before, I love that my 10 year old junior is now proficient in putting renegades on my horses and taking them off. And so that's her job now for the most part while I do the other things that she's just not quite big enough yet to do, but she just does great. She gets those boots on those horses and gets them all strapped on. and
0: Put them to um, work early, Karen. Put them to work ex-
2: early. Exactly. <laughs> and it, it's just, it's, it's great because, you know, it's something that she can do. And, you know, and the thing is, is if the renegades are difficult to get on, then there's a reason they're not either not adjusted right or they're the wrong size, but they should not be difficult to put on. And, you know, we got the boots put on the, the parade horses and, you know, so we had, basically 12 boots all altogether on these three horses in the parade and finish the parade with not a single issue. And of course, really that's not anything compared to taking these boots on endurance rides. You know, I've done Tevis in them and, other hundreds and multi days and and lots of other endurance rides and them and and had the boots work out great. So the fact that they made it through a five mile parade is probably not the biggest accomplishment. It's just nice that, um,
0: but they come in color. So you looked good.
2: They did. They came in the red. So it matched our, you know, our tack and our saddle pads and things like that. So, you know, that was sort of cool. And, you know, writers there's like seven or eight different colors that they come in so writers can match to their tack which endurance writers love colors you know they love to color coordinate and uh and i know they're still working on a couple of new colors which we've been testing out this season and i i'm hoping that those will hopefully end up in production soon i'll have to check with them and maybe i can report back next month what the status is But if you want to learn more about renegades, go to renegadehoofboots.com. They are made in the United States, in Arizona. And like we mentioned, they come in several different colors. There's a lot of sizing and fitting information on the website. There's videos on YouTube if you want to go and and watch them on how to um, properly size and, and fit and make adjustments on the boots.
0: Great. Well, thank you so much for that, Karen. Appreciate it. We're going to take a break for a song, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to we're going to switch gears a little bit. We're still talking about distance riding, but it's not a, an endurance competition ride. Uh, it's something a little bit different than that. And uh, we're going to talk to Samantha, whose last name we are not going to pronounce, and we're going to find out about the Nevada Discovery Ride that she has put together in just a minute. But first, uh, how about a little Stephanie Quail? We'll be right back.
1: The edge of town There's a little spot Where we won't be found You know disappeared i got a mason jar full of something clear so take a swig and chase it back with a beer
0: That's Stephanie Quayle with That's What I'm Talking About. You can find all of her music at stephaniequayle.com. Well, a couple housekeeping things. Of course, you're listening to Horses in the Morning, and I'm here with Karen Chatton, and we are doing the endurance episode. I'm Glenn Geek. Coach Jen is in the producer chair. Jamie will be back here tomorrow. A programming note for the rest of the week. Jamie will be here tomorrow, and then we're doing trail riding on Thursday, and then we're off on Friday. I am speaking at a conference on Friday, so that's why we're off, but we'll have a recorded show for you then. We'll have a best-of episode. Uh, and, uh, Karen, you know, we mentioned your blog earlier. Where can people find your blog?
2: My blog is at karenchatten.com.
0: Very simple, karenchatten.com, spelled C-H-A-T-O-N. Also, mm-hmm. uh, if you haven't had a chance yet, head on over to the new Radio Network.com website. Uh, we redesigned it and made it a little easier to get around and hopefully made it uh, very mobile friendly so you'll be able to get around there on your mobile phone now also for all of your friends you know, we had our auditors go out and ask everybody in their barn whether they listen to podcasts and why not. Most of the people that didn't said they didn't know how. So if you send them to horseradionetwork.com, the first thing you're going to see at the top of the page now is how to listen. And there's all the different options and ways they can listen. And we give step-by-step instructions for each one of those. So they go in there. It tells them exactly how to listen to the shows. We all know it's easy because, you know, we know we listen to podcasts. It's easy. you You know, you press play pretty much. Uh you get a podcast player or an app and you press play. Uh it's very simple to do but a lot of people think it's hard. So we we po- put that on the website so that people can find them easier. Why endurance riders are not listening to podcasts all the time I'm, I don't know. Uh I I would have to or I'd go insane. So uh you you can find all of that on our new website at horseradionetwork.com As well as all of your past episodes.
2: Right. That's great that they're all going to be easy to find in one place now.
0: Yeah, we're working on that. That's not there yet, but we're working on it so that all eight of the special episodes we do with Horses in the Morning, like yours and the CHA and all like uh, Mary Kitzmiller's episodes, they'll all be very easy in one player to find and then go back and listen to past ones. So we're we're working on that for you. Uh, Mm -hmm. We'll let you know about that. But while we're waiting for our next guest, uh, do you want to talk about etiquette at all or do you want to go into something else?
2: Um, Well, we can. I was going to talk a little bit about it. And I've done this a little bit before. Just wanted to mention, you know, because we've had a couple of protests recently in the sport where things escalated, um, probably because of some etiquette that was breached a little bit out on the trail or in camp among riders. And so I just wanted to mention, you know, a little bit about being you know, polite when you're out on the trail. Uh, You know, to be aware of how your actions are affecting other riders and their horses, you you know, always be respectful when you're passing, call out ahead and say, I'm passing on your right, passing on your left. You know, if you notice somebody's on a young or green horse or the horse is just you know, starting to freak out, you know, go ahead and stop or, you know, give them a wide berth. Ask them, you know, is it okay to pass or do you need me to do anything? Instead of just, you know, blowing on by and possibly causing an accident or hard feelings, you know, just be extra considerate. Um, You know, don't crowd horses at water tanks if, if you're going in and You know, of course, your horse is, you know, during an endurance ride, they're going to be thirsty and they're going to want to dive into the trough. But if the trough already has a a few horses in it drinking, you know, stay back and wait. Let it kind of clear out. You know, don't let your horse just shove in in between, you know, two other horses, you just never know. It could be a stallion or it could be, you know, any horse can strike or kick or whatever. So you just need to, you know, keep yourself safe, keep everybody else safe, you know, pay attention, be considerate, you know, try to follow the rules of etiquette. You know, one of the things that's important when you go through a gate is the, the universal rule is if somebody get opens a gate for you, You don't just go through and say thanks and keep going. You stop and you wait for that person to close the gate and remount onto their horse. Because if you keep going, that person now might possibly have a horse that's dancing around and they still have to close the gate. So you could really make things difficult for somebody just by not you know, being aware of what you're doing and how it affects somebody else. So if you go through a gate, someone opens it for you. I mean, it's one thing if somebody says, go on ahead, it's okay. But, you know, universally, it's the, the polite thing to do is to stay and wait for the person to mount back up and then regain the same position they were in when you came to the gate. So, you know, let them go on ahead. And then, you know, later, if you choose to pass, you can do so, but you don't use, Something like, like somebody opening a gate for you to try to get ahead of them—that's just, you know, inconsiderate, and it could be dangerous. And so, I just wanted to mention a little bit about, you know, proper etiquette and and being aware and and, uh, and
0: common sense and,
2: and, and common <laughs> sense and being safe. Isn't it funny aware. how it
0: all comes down to common sense when you really think about it?
2: It does.
0: Yep. And you know, that's most things in life, right? It's just not what we're talking about here. It's most things in life just always comes back to common sense. Unfortunately, I think we're losing some of that along the way. I don't know.
2: Right. Well, you know, you. I mean, to be fair, you know, if you're riding an endurance ride and it's a long day, you know, riders get tired, their horses, you know, some riders don't always take as good a care of themselves. And so, you know, they sort of you know, become a little bit dazed. They call it D-I-M-R, distance-induced mental retardation, for a reason. (laughs)
0: That's funny. (laughs) So,
2: So is our next guest ready?
0: Yes, she is.
2: Okay, this is Samantha Se- Ziorca from the Nevada Discovery Ride. You she attempted
0: is, it anyway. I, I, I attempted <laughs> it anyway.
2: She, I know she she can tell us how far off I was. One rider, <laughs> one horse, one dog, and one support person. They are planning on starting from the geographical center of Nevada in August and taking 72 days, approximately riding 20 miles a day, to go 1,122 miles around the state of Nevada. So welcome to the show, Samantha.
5: Thank you so much for having me.
2: So how far off was I on your name?
5: <laughs> you actually got it right. It
0: oh boy. <laughs> did you marry that or did you come with that? By the, You're way, the only Samantha? one. <laughs> I'm the only one.
5: Yeah, I, I, I came with that. It's attached to me.
0: <laughs> Are you looking for a guy with the last <laughs> name? i like, my f- whole life. Are you looking for a guy with the last name of like Hall, H A L L, or something simple? Uh.
5: Smith.
0: Smith. Yeah. yeah. If he has a complicated last name, it's like I can't date you. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> or I could
5: hyphenate it just to so make it even worse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
2: <laughs> there you go. I know. Okay. Okay. So tell us. Let's just start with the Nevada Discovery Ride. Tell us what what that is and the meaning behind it and what you're doing.
5: Sure. So um I I in twenty thirteen I rode almost five hundred miles across Nevada. Um it was my first solo long ride. And I rode um an adopted Mustang from Nevada and um had a, a month long adventure out on the trail and that was not enough for me, apparently, so I started planning my next long ride, which I'm doing this fall, as you mentioned, the 1,100-mile ride around Nevada.
2: Tell us about your Mustang.
5: Sage is from the prison program in Carson City, and he was born in, in the wild in central Nevada, rounded up when he was two. And went into the prison program around age four. And I love the prison program in Carson City. Uh It's um, one of the best in the country. It's one of the best places to get a, to adopt a wild horse. As you know, they had paired the horses with inmates for about 90 days of training. And then they hold a public auction and anyone can go and bid and, and take home a, a formerly wild horse. And so I went and I I fell in love with Sage and I I bid and I want him. And, and now we've been trail partners ever since.
2: Yeah, the prisoners do an awesome job. I've been to a couple of the auctions and I think isn't there one coming up this next week at the prison?
5: It actually was just yesterday. Oh was it okay it was, it was
0: okay. just uh, yesterday or uh, I'm sorry Saturday yeah okay, okay. now our our uh, co-host of the show three days a week here, Jamie got two of her mustangs from there and what we noticed because we've been following this closely for years with her is that the prices have just been going up and up. How were they yesterday?
5: Oh, it's so exciting to see because I think a few years ago when I first started paying attention to the auctions was certainly when I first moved to Nevada about eight years ago, the prices were really low.
0: Like a couple hundred you bucks. Could, yeah. You know, the
5: vast majority of the horses. <laughs> yeah, you're, you know, $200, you're, you're going home with a horse. But in the last year, year or two, the prices have really um, skyrocketed. And on the one hand, that's really fantastic. It's fantastic because it, it means that there's a, a great demand for uh, wild horses, People are trying want to adopt um the prison programs getting more famous. People are coming from um, all over the western states to Carson City just to bid in this auction. Um, so it's really exciting to see. I think the high bid uh, ever is was eighty six hundred dollars eight eight thousand dollars for for a formerly wild horse. That's just incredible.
2: Mhm. They well, do such a good job. Too. Well, and it helps
0: the prison program keep going. I mean, which is another good thing, right? Um, you know, it, it makes sure yeah, that they keep yeah,
5: going. The, the, yeah, you know that. Yeah, that program should be in every prison. I think um, it's fabulous for the horses and also for the inmates as well.
2: Okay, so tell us about you, you know you're you're now planning for your trip. What made you, you decide to start in the geographic center of Nevada?
5: Well, like I said, the first ride that I did back in 2013, I rode all the way across Nevada. I rode through, um, some of the most, uh, beautiful places in Nevada and some of the not so beautiful places. (laughs) So when I started planning my next ride, I, I thought, you know, the route that I'm going to do next, I'm going to make it through all of what I think are the best places in Northern Nevada. Um, and I, I um, thought it'd be just fun to start as a geographic center of Nevada. Most people <laughs> probably don't know where that is. It is about it's southeast of Austin, Nevada. There's nothing there except a sign. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it gets stolen a lot. <laughs> it just <laughs> says geographic center of Nevada. Um, and it's sort of this, um, you know, out in the middle of nowhere, does you know, boundary. And I thought that that would be a fun place to start. And then I'm going to loop... Around Northern Nevada, again in some of my favorite ranges and um, parts of the state, and uh, kind of a border perimeter ride, very backcountry. I I want to avoid roads and highways and towns. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually not going really through any towns on this next ride at all. Completely backcountry for about three months.
2: Whoa! Wow. What is your favorite part of Nevada?
5: I am very fond of Eastern Nevada, Um, Mm a little higher in elevation, got a little bit of trees. Um, It's just a lot of water in Eastern Nevada. It's just, I think, some of the prettiest parts of the state and and the most rural and hidden. Um, But I I love Nevada. If I could ride around all of Nevada, I probably will eventually. After this ride, I'm going to have to do a Southern Nevada ride probably. I don't know. Uh
2: Uh-huh. Yeah, I, this part of the state that we're in is in the, in the northern part is definitely the the nicer parts. Versus, you know, once you go further south, it is all desert or mostly all desert and a little bit more it, desolate. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to
5: alienate our. I don't want to alienate our uh, southern Nevada. Yeah, <laughs> but it's just all it sand, and right, it's <laughs> sand and
0: hot. Sand <laughs> <There's some ice. laughs> no. like, no. and
3: hot. There's nice.
0: And an occasional well, uh, casino. You know,
2: um. And. You know, one of the things that people don't realize, that, Samantha, tell me what you think, is if you're just driving across Highway 50, you're not really seeing Nevada. I mean, you're not seeing the best parts of it. Because I've ridden across it, too, on the Pony Express Trail, and we didn't ride along 50. We crossed it, but we were off the beaten path, and it it's just an amazing country. I mean, what do you think?
5: So I say that in almost every talk that I give about long riding now, that if you have driven across Interstate 80 or Highway 50 or Highway 95, and you think that that is Nevada, you're, you're very wrong.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, we like to
5: say that Nevada hides, Nevada hides itself. But the best parts of Nevada, they really are hidden, and you have to get off the highways, and get out into Nevada to really experience it. The highways notoriously go through the worst parts of, of almost any state. So um, you know, I think people have this image of Nevada as just a wasteland desert.
1: Mm-hmm. And certainly
5: there are there are parts that live up to that. But there are also lush meadows and high elevation mountains and glaciers and bristle cone, you know, forests and um it's just uh it's just a beautiful state very diverse but you wouldn't know that until you get in it
2: exactly exactly so i
5: think riding a horse across nevada or around Nevada is the best way to get to know the state in a real way now are you doing this by yourself
0: all on your own what's the scoop
5: Yeah, so I ride uh, by myself. I have a wonderful little trail dog that accompanies me, of course. Um, But I do ride supported. Nevada is a tough state um, in terms of consistency of feed and water, and I want to ride as safely as possible for my horse. So I do ride um, supported, meaning I have someone, my husband, with uh, all the horse feed and water in a in a truck, and we meet every day for Beat in
0: water. Well, that's good because I was looking at, you know, I, I, I know some of those roads and there's a lot of nothing. I mean, on, on some of those back areas, you're going to be eating cactus. Um, so it was like, oh, how, does she, how does she do this? <laughs> I not know. You carried pack animals or yeah, what you did? Yeah. Uh,
5: you know, it'd be, I I um, from the very beginning decided not to use pack animals and just to light. I'm really into light packing off one horse that I can light pack and ride. So I get really into the gear, the ultralight gear and stuff that I can carry. Um, And there is again, some water and there's some grass, but not enough consistently for me to feel like it would be safe to do unsupported. So for me, it's, um, and plus I want to reduce the risk of colic by changing feeds. So for me, it's just safer for peace of mind to have a support person that we have consistent feed, we have consistent water, And I know someone
2: Mm -hmm.
5: knows where I am at all times.
2: How much weight are you packing on your horse altogether?
5: Um, All together with all my gear and me and my saddle, I try not to have everything weigh more than about 200 pounds.
2: Oh, that's not too bad. And how big is your horse?
5: Stages, 15-1, about 900 pounds.
0: Okay, pretty good size horse then and 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 everybody yeah, always he's wants very to, solid. everybody always wants to know what saddle you're using.
5: <laughs> I just got a brand new saddle for this next ride. I'm riding a tucker.
2: a tucker. okay, okay. Well, tell us a little more about the rest of your gear. what What other kind of tack and packs are you using?
5: Um, I carry a lot of water on me. So I most of the, the things that I'm carrying are my, my water bottles. I always have my um, uh, rain gear, because in the high desert, you never know when a little storm is going to roll in. So I always have my rain gear. I have my safety equipment, of course. I, I carry bear spray. I don't carry a, a firearm when I ride. Um, so I do have bear spray. I have, you know, a knife, a uh, Leatherman. Pick all of those sort of trail essentials, and then I probably my favorite thing that I carry that always surprises people is my my wild horse deterrent. Though so I love wild horses and I ride a formerly wild horse, um, those interactions on the trail can be dangerous sometimes. If you run into stallions, mm-hmm. they can be very aggressive, and so I carry a well. So a lot of people will ask me, "How do you?" you know, how do you avoid wild horses? And you, and you can't. So really all you can do on the trail is to to scare them off. And the mm-hmm. best way that I have found to scare off wild horses is to use a plastic bag.
3: Hmm, perfect.
5: <laughs> so that's one of the first things you do when you desensitize a, a new horse, a wild horse that you're, that you've adopted. Um, so I carry a, just a plastic bag, and I have it tied to a little uh, English riding crop, one of the short riding crops, so I can uh-huh. just wave it. And uh, I have had to do that on the trail, and it, and it definitely works. It will scare off any wild horse. That's my new adventure, my wild horse deterrent. The universal horse scarer. Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <Term laughs> so I thing. always have my riding crop and plastic bag in my in my pack. Um, I carry a little collapsible water bowl for my dog. I've got my trail snacks. I carry binoculars. I have my little field guide so I can identify wildflowers for fun. Uh, That kind of stuff.
0: How's your husband feel about this, by the way?
5: (laughs) My husband's not a horse person. Um, However, he's incredibly supportive of my crazy endeavors. And, um, I'm very fortunate that he is because again, he was a support person on, on the first ride and he took a month off of his life to come help me do the first ride. And now he's taking three months off to help me do this one. So I'm very fortunate.
0: Wow. Wow. Well, keep him by the way. Can I just, sorry, Karen, keep him, uh, just throwing that in there. Okay. Yes. (laughs) (laughs)
5: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he did tell me he did tell me I'm not allowed to he said at this rate I'm gonna want to ride across the country next and he said I'm not allowed to do that. So <laughs>
2: <laughs> there you go. So I saw the map that you guys had mapped out and you did an excellent job on that. Tell us how you did that. And are you riding with the GPS?
5: Yeah. So I spend a lot of time routing and scouting trails because Nevada is awesome. It's all public land. You, you can pretty much ride anywhere, put together your own route, um, because we don't have, you know, a lot of defined trails, so to speak. So I spent the last two years building my route from scratch, again, picking the places that I wanted to ride through that I already enjoyed, uh, exploring in the past and
3: Mm -hmm.
5: kind of piecemeal together my own route. Um, So I I go out, I scout those trails in advance if I can, spend a lot of time looking at topo maps, satellite maps. And then I do, I did not carry a GPS on the first ride, but I will have one with me on the, on this upcoming ride. On the first ride, which was a month, I just printed out, I was like anti-technology on the first ride. I didn't want to carry (laughs) anything. So I... Um, just printed out all my topo maps, and I carried them every day and routed that way. Um, and it was it was surprising that it went so well that I didn't get lost more more often <laughs> doing that. Um, so, on this ride, because it's so much longer and it goes through so much more backcountry areas and parts of the state, um for safety, i I decided to get the the GPS, so I'll be a little bit more connected to the world. Mm-hmm. And hopefully won't get lost.
2: Right. Are you going to be able to do any updates during your trip?
5: Yeah. So, so I, I do carry a tracking device um, that is sort of live and that goes to my website. And so during the day when I'm riding, people can go to my website, see exactly where we are in, in almost real time on the map, watch us move very slowly. Uh-huh. And then When I have the ability to post updates from the trail, I will, I do so. However, it's Nevada, and because I want to ride in the backcountry so much, um, we very rarely will have self-service. Right. A lot of the um, updates and the fun stuff will have to, it'll be intermittent, and then, of course, we'll do a a lot of stuff at the end of the ride. When we get home, we'll be posting a lot. But where I'm able to, to post updates, I certainly will.
2: Now, one more question I have is, have you run into any gates that you had trouble getting through?
5: <laughs> oh, my gosh. No one ever asked me about that, but they have become the bane of my existence. Um, on the first ride, <laughs> I went through so many pairs of leather gloves, opening and closing gates, crossing uh-huh. the street. I couldn't believe it. Um, uh, cattle garden gates. And some of those old barbed wire gates—they haven't been opened in fifty years. You're, you know, I ride up and I'm the first person in probably uh-huh. fifty years to try to open that. Oh my gosh! And so I would spend a half an hour fighting with a gate to get it opened and then close it again, which can be even harder. So I know. Is, you... um, One of that was one of the unexpected challenges of the of long. I riding. know.
2: I know. Can you tell? I've ridden across Nevada too. <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I've opened some yeah, of those.
2: Yeah, you need a helper strap. Some of them are pretty darn tough. Those cowboys are proud of those yeah, gates.
5: Well, <laughs> yeah. well and ors, like I said, they're they're not used as much anymore, and um, right, they get they get pretty tight. Um, but that's part of the fun. So. <laughs>
0: okay it so is. so you so you've answered the question, I think we get the idea of why you do this and what you think is the coolest part. What is the and it's always the little things right on on trips like this, what is the thing that just it's just the hardest part of this while you're on the ride
5: um, I think for me, the hardest the worst parts the the least fun parts are any time that I have to ride. Around civilization. <laughs>
0: and that sounds. How are you even surprising. married, by the way? How are you even married? We need to get that guy on the horse husband episode we do every month, and we'll get the truth out of him. That's what we're going to do. We're going to get him on that show. <laughs> no.
5: no, no, it's just, I feel safe out on the trail, in the backcountry. It's very safe. Um, but it's not fun riding through towns where. You're riding next to a highway and semi trucks are going by you at 70 miles an hour.
3: Right, that's
5: not particularly enjoyable, and unfortunately, there's there's just kind of no way to avoid that when you ride long distance anywhere in Nevada. Um, so those were on the first ride; those were the worst parts for me. Were riding in and around towns. Otherwise, it's you know the little things. You're sort of you know it's physically challenging. Mentally challenging. There's the the little inconveniences, you know. Like you,
0: body odor. On the I'm just throwing that out there. The body odors. <laughs> does that come in? Yeah, into... no
5: one ever asked me that. But on the first ride, where you know, I'm I was out there for a month. How many times do you think I got to shower? Not not that often. And your husband <laughs> kept coming back every day to
0: see you. Uh,
5: <laughs> I know. I I always say I was I was a day away from dreadlocks.
0: <laughs> I bet.
5: Okay, and I want
2: to know: is what do you do to confine sage at night
5: when you so stop to camp? Where well, one one of the things that's really nice about Nevada is um on the public land. There's an abundance of old corrals. So if we are able to camp in at old sheep or cattle corrals, we we use them if they're safe. If they're safe, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. otherwise I bring a single a single hobble and a picket line that stage can be on or uh, because I have my husband with the, the vehicle um, meeting up with me every day, we can use the portable, a portable electric corral.
2: Oh, that's nice.
5: It's Nevada. So it's not like there's enough trees to really high line. Right. So, um, we do we just don't, you know, we just do one of those three. And there's plenty so of, wait.
0: do you actually make the corral hot, the electric corral?
5: Sometimes, yeah, I, you know, my horse is, is really respectful fences, so um, we don't always have to.
0: Well, one so nice thing about Nevada, Karen, is there's plenty of sunshine for that solar charger, too. So that's not a <laughs> most problem. Of
2: the to- most <laughs> of the time, we've been having the weirdest weather. It's been clouding up a lot. There's been rain as we, we've followed Valerie, which is another writer that she's riding across country right now. And when she got to Eastern Nevada, they've been getting rained on actually quite a bit, which is kind of unusual. Oh, yeah. So, so that, that can yeah, happen. Yeah, I think
5: on my first ride, I experienced everything from you know freezing, like literally ice in the morning, rainstorms, thunderstorms, hundred degree you know heat waves, dust storms. You get a little bit of everything in Nevada, kind of no matter what time of the year.
2: Now, d- does Sage ever get scratches on the pasterns?
5: Uh, no.
2: No, wow, I mean, we've must,
5: not had
2: that. Must be because he's from Nevada. That's it. <laughs> that's that's it.
5: Well, endurance I he horses. Loves it, often. I gotta say, he's like he's so suited to being out there. That's perfect. Because he grew up out 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 right. in the desert, so he mm-hmm. loves it.
2: Good, well, yeah. That's one of the problems a lot of uh, people encounter on endurance rides in Nevada is their horses come up with scratches, and it doesn't take much at all for a couple cracks in the pasterns to make the horses get really sore. So it's, you know, I know my horses are probably a little more immune to it because we live here as well. Um, so it's great to hear that that your horse is pretty much immune to scratches. What, what's what been the, the hardest thing as far as the horse management um, issues that you've had to work through with Sage? Well, I,
5: I think I'm a bit of a, a warrior. Um, and I, I'm so concerned about keeping Sage safe and healthy and happy on the trail. I don't want him to lose weight. I don't want to hurt him. So I'm constant. I'm just always, uh, you know, inspecting him and making sure he's Mm -hmm. healthy and keeping weight. And, um, and I have to say that was probably the easiest thing on the last ride because I just threw feet at him on the ride. There, there's Uh no reason to ration burning so many calories in a day. Um, I let him eat a ton and he was, he didn't lose any weight. I did. I lost a ton of weight. He didn't lose any. Um,
1: uh-huh.
5: I so think you're- the hardest part is just not worrying, is, is stopping mm-hmm. worrying and letting him go Shoot. and have fun and uh-huh. um, realize that he's totally capable.
2: Right. And it sounds like you're more of a person that prevents things rather than treat them. So you avoid the problem in the first place because you're prepared,
5: yeah, I definitely overthink and <laughs> Um but, but, you know, my thought process is if I didn't do that and I got injured on the trail or Sage got injured on the trail, I one, we wouldn't be able to continue and then that would be horrible and then B, I would just feel really bad, <laughs> so, um, so I just don't want to do that.
2: Okay, well, tell us what is your website address?
5: It is com, and I've got all kinds of information up there about the last ride, about the ride coming up, and then, like I said, the tracking device is linked to the homepage, and when I am able to post updates from the trail, I'll post them to the website.
2: Terrific, and you're heading out August 10th?
5: We leave August 10th from the Geographic Center of Nevada, and, fingers crossed, we'll be riding into Reno at the end of October.
2: Wow. Well, good luck. Best wishes to all of you on your team. And we look forward to following you on your adventure and um, possibly checking back in either sometime during your trip or after it's over and hearing about your new adventures. So thank you for joining us, Samantha.
5: Definitely. Definitely. Thank you so much.
0: Well, that was fun having her on and learning a little bit about what uh, goes into uh, a ride like that. Boy, you got to like yourself, too. See, that's what I kept thinking about the whole time, is I don't think I like myself well enough to be out there by myself all that time. You know, the thoughts that would be going through my head. Oh, yeah, but okay, but my horse isn't talking back. Okay, but I'm still out there (laughs) by myself thinking about things and and everything that's going through my head, and I think I would Uh just go insane i just would
2: yeah, i and you would have trouble just being off line
0: <laughs> yeah exactly then i can't look at my phone every two minutes i'd just be terrible i just <laughs> terrible. yeah
2: I'd
0: it just, would god be. bless you people that can do that i can't do it i just i know my add would kick in about 10 minutes in and that would be at the next eight hours would be excruciating i'd be like i just uh,
2: yeah it's People that want to go out there and just ride and see the real country and, and get off the beach. Okay, path. I'm good for
0: about an hour of I that, said, oh. and then I really want to get to a restaurant. Um, you know. So Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can see I it. Uh, I can see it in about uh, an hour and then I'm good. Uh uh uh-huh. <laughs> See that's why there's different kinds of people, right? Uh-huh, yeah.
2: exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs>
0: But this has been a fun show. Thank you, Karen, so much for putting it together. I really appreciate it. And where can people find you again? On KarenChatton.com. KarenChatton.com is where you can find all of the goodies. Go over to Horses HorsesInTheMorning.com and search for Karen Chatton. You can find all of her past episodes. and You can find them all there. And also, uh, we will be back here tomorrow morning on Horses in the Morning. We're here every Monday through Friday. Something a little different every day. Tomorrow, Jamie is back with her talking about her Mustangs that she got from the same auction. And uh, we'll uh, be back with more show tomorrow. We'll see you, Karen. Have fun.
2: Thanks, Glenn. Bye.